Kiddushin Samachet Amud Aleph, Levels of Humanity, Am Hadomer Lechamor. In the Shir, we're going to explore not only the question of different levels of humanity, but is it even possible that there's a category of being that exists somewhere between the animal and the human, and what might that look like? And what leads us even to question this issue comes from the famous Pesach in Vayera, when Avraham is taking Yitzchak to Haramoria to bring him as a sacrifice, as he thought he would be doing. And he approaches the mountain and he says to the boys with him, who are his servants, Eliezer and other slaves, and he says to them, you stay here in Hachamor, you stay here with the donkey, the young boy and I will go further, we'll bow to Hashem and do our service, and we'll return to you. On which the Medrash Tanchuma says, brought by the Dazakeni Mibalei HaTosfes, when Avraham saw this place from the distance, and he noticed there was a, t- a cloud tied on it like a beautiful bow. Avraham, even in the midst of all of his distress and his worry about what is happening and what might be, still has the opportunity to look around him and see the beautiful things and the nuances in nature and notice something unusual, a cloud on the top of the mountain. And he turns to Yitzchak, his son, and he says, Ma taroe, what do you see? Do you notice anything unusual? And he says, Har anan kashuralav, I see this beautiful mountain and a cloud tied onto it like a bow. And then he says to his young boys, to the servants, do you see anything unusual? And they say, We don't see anything unusual. And Avraham says to them, Then you know different from a donkey. A donkey also doesn't notice these nuances, these refinements of nature, these unusual signs, and, and realizing that something's different and something special about this place. If you can't sense the specialness of place, if you don't have a sense of place, and a sense of time to be able to tune into, then you're really no different from a donkey. You and the donkey can't really see these things, and therefore, you stay here together with the donkey and wait for us while we go to serve Hashem. And the Hamik Davar says, based on the, on the Malbim, it's the Malbim's thesis that there's a difference between the word et, when it's used to mean with, and the word im, which is also used to mean with im with an ayin. Uh, when im is used, says the Malbim, it's a closer connection than when et is used. So the Malbim and, and the Hamikdava and the Natsiv both say that if it just meant stay, hang out with the donkey while we go and do our thing, take care of the donkey for us, it would have said, po et But since it says im achamor, there's a suggestion of intimacy, of, of connection, of some degree of of closeness between you and the donkey. And what is that? That's atem v'hachamor shavim. You and the donkey are, are actually equal in that sense. And, and it's really interesting because that seems to imply that your ability to appreciate the Bria is not only a function of your physical eyesight, nor necessarily a function of your intelligence. It's actually a function of who you are, your stature as a human being. It's, it's interesting also that the, the posuk, Marabu Maasecha Hashem Ma'odam Kumach how many and great are your creations, Hashem? Your thoughts and your plans are so very deep. Ishbar Lo Yeda Ve'uchsin Lo Yavinetzot. An uncouth person or a foolish person couldn't really understand that. And the Drobitzer Rebbe says on that posuk that. One of the wonders of the Bria is that it's not clear to everybody just by looking at the creation and studying nature 
that God is the creator. You actually have to be somebody. You have to actually have to be a person of stature. And Ishbal lo this is something that someone who's foolish, somebody who's just unrefined, is not really going to understand that, is not going to be able to perceive the greatness of the Bria. That's part of its greatness, the fact that you have to be a great human being in order to really appreciate who the architect of this Bria is. That's part of the greatness. If one were to look at a painting and everybody in the world could look at the painting and say, that's amazing, that's an incredible work of art. That's not nearly as great as a painting that you look at and the average person says, yeah, it's okay, it's a nice painting. But the real art connoisseur, the real professional looks at that painting and says, oh my goodness, wow, just look at this painting. There is so much in it. It is so brilliant. This has to have been one of the greatest artists in the world. That's true greatness in an object, in a work of art. And so it is with the, with the Bria, says the Drobitsereva, that, that it's something that is so great, so deep, so complex, that ordinary people don't get it. You look at the Bria and you don't see what it is. The servants of Abraham looked at the mountain. They didn't notice how unique it was that this cloud was tied to the top of the mountain and the breeze wasn't moving it backwards and forwards. It remained stationary on that mountain. That was unusual. It was a little bit like Moshe noticing that the bush was burning and, and it didn't burn out. We have to notice the things around us even when things are difficult as they are at the moment. Don't stop noticing the little things in nature, the beauty in nature, whether it's the beauty of a flower or of a bird, whether it's a sight, whether it's a beauty of another person doing something beautiful uh, the beauty of a child just notice 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 and nurture yourself with these beautiful things because it's so important and that's part of the greatness of the world in which we live in that if we have the stature if we have the character we will see that greatness and participate in that greatness anyway what we do see from this is the sense that Abraham talks very disparagingly to his servants and equates them to a donkey but it gets even worse than that because Al says based on the Mishnah uh, Tudaf beforehand, where we said a shifchaknanit, a slave girl. This is now a non-Jewish girl who's been brought up as a slave, is sold to a Jewish family. She has to go through a conversion, basically. She goes to the mikveh, she accepts upon herself the mitzvot, and she keeps the mitzvot that a slave has to keep, which are somewhat the same, similar to the mitzvot that a woman has to keep. If after that a man, let's say the owner of the this, of this slave, of the servant, proposes to her, offers her kiddushin, wants to marry her. Not only is he not allowed to do that, but the kiddushin law tafsiba. The kiddushin don't land on her. It doesn't work. Uh, so we learned, we discussed yesterday in the Mishnah, that there are different categories. There are some situations where the Torah says, uh, you may not marry this person, and if you do, it's not a valid marriage. There's some where the Torah says you may marry this person and if you do, it's a valid marriage. And then in the middle, there's some where the Torah says you're not permitted to marry this person, like a Kohen marrying a divorcee. You're not allowed to do it. But if you did, the marriage is valid. It is a marriage. You've just done something terribly wrong. So ask the Gemara this, that if a man were to propose, were to be Makadish a Shifcha, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't stick. Where do we get that from? Answers the Gemara with our posuk, Shvulachem poem achamor, amadomele chamor. Avram says that a servant, a slave person, is similar to a donkey. You can't have kiddushin with a donkey. You can't betroth a donkey. That's not a human being. There needs to be humanity. Marriage is an expression of humanness. You've got to be a human being to do that. And a slave, it would seem to be, and we'll discuss the, the, the political correctness of this in a moment, but in, in any event, when we talk about slaves, don't get tied up in your mind about the ethics of slavery and should there be slavery or shouldn't. We're talking about a concept, the concept of an 
Eved. There was a time when it was real. Now we learn a lot of principles from this concept of an Eved. And the concept of an Eved that we need to understand is if Theoretically, there was this young girl who was sold as a slave to a Jewish family. She converts, becomes a Jewish slave, or a slave to a Jewish family. And she is proposed to, she is given Kiddushin. That Kiddushin doesn't work, and the reason is because there's something about her that takes her outside of the realm of the norm of humanity. Now we need to understand what that is. The Gemara then goes on to say, what about a non-Jewish woman? So that's the same category. If you marry a non-Jewish woman, you're not allowed to marry a non-Jewish woman. And if you do, the marriage is not valid, like the case of the shifka, of the slave girl. This is not a case of you're not allowed to do it, but if you do, the marriage is still valid. No, a Jew marries a non-Jew, the marriage is not valid. There is no marriage. The Gemara says, so where do we get that from? Says the Gemara, from the posuk of Lo Tithchaten Bam. There's an explicit prohibition, you may not intermarry with non-Jews. And that means, as Rashi explains, not just that you may not intermarry, but that the principles of marriage don't apply. Kiddushin doesn't apply in the case of a non-Jew. Secular marriage applies, and marriage in, in a non-Jewish way, of course, people can make whatever contracts they want between themselves. Uh, two men can make a contract and call it a marriage. Do what you want. But it's not Kiddushin. For Kiddushin to take effect, it has to be a qualified man and a qualified woman, and a Nochria, a non-Jewish woman, is not a qualified woman to enter into a Kiddushin relationship with a Jewish man. And where do we get that from? From Lotit Chatenba. The big question that, that I have here, and I'm sure it's crossing your minds as well, just think about the psukim, the, the brochas we say every morning. The first one we say is, Shiloh Asani Goy. So we thank Hashem for not making me a non-Jewish person, a Gentile person. I have mitzvot to do. I have the Torah to study, to learn, to observe. A non-Jewish person doesn't have that privilege, and I thank Hashem for that. Then, Baruch Hashem Asani Eved. And not only didn't you make me a non-Jewish person, you didn't even make me a servant, a slave, who has fewer mitzvot to do, more than the non-Jew, but not as many as I have. And not only that, but you didn't even make me a woman. A woman has more mitzvot than a slave, but less than I do. And, and I thank you, Hashem, for making me, not making me a non-Jew, a slave or a woman, but making me a full male Jewish person with a responsibility for all the mitzvot uh, that apply to a Jewish man in the Torah. Thank you for doing that. So we see the hierarchy there that from a perspective of Kedushah. And we've discussed before that Kedushah is measured by the number of mitzvot and chiyuvim that a person is obligated to fulfill. In that sense, top of the, of the line really is the Jewish man. And then the Jewish woman has fewer mitzvot to fulfill. And the, the slave, the non-Jewish slave working for a Jewish person, belonging to a Jewish person, has still fewer, fewer mitzvot to fulfill. So if we have learned that, one isn't, that, that if one were to marry an, a slave woman, it's not valid because am hadomeh lechamor, and we'll understand that further, a, little, a little bit further on. If we've already established that if a man does kiddushin with a slave girl, the Kiddushin is not valid. It doesn't work at all. If we've established that fact, why do we need the posuk of Lotit Chatenbam to tell us, and if you marry a non-Jewish person, it also won't work? A non-Jewish person is further away from a Jewish person than a slave is. And therefore, if you're not allowed to marry a slave, of course you're not allowed to marry a non-Jewish woman. That question is asked by Reb Chaim Soloveitchik. It's brought in a, a sefer. Sometimes when, when great people pass away, they produce a sefer zikaron, where they 
publish, if, particularly in a situation where he didn't publish a lot in his lifetime, uh, they published some of his work, some of his shiurim, and, and other shiurim that other Talmidei Chachomim contribute to the book, and it's called the Sefer Zikaron, and they're beautiful anthologies of, of uh, words of Torah that one often doesn't find anywhere else. And there's such a Sefer called Ohel Chia, which was made in memory of Reb Chaim Eliezer uh, those of you from South Africa might remember, if you're older, that there was a rabbi at Swebner. He used to be in, in Rhodesia in the old days, in Zimbabwe, and then he was the rabbi of Emerentia Shul. And his son is active in, in Israel, he's active in Ashkelon, he lives in Yerushalayim. And this is a Tzvebna part of the same family. And he was, uh, was born in the United States, but then he landed up being a Rosh Yeshiva in Tel Aviv, in Hechel Talmud, later on in Bnei Brak. But he didn't leave much written stuff. But there is the Sefer Azikaron, in which this piece of Reb Chaim Soloveitchik is quoted. I haven't seen it anywhere else. But it is based on a major piece of Reb Chaim, which we'll mention in a moment. And Reb Chaim asks that very question. Why would we need a posuk? Why do I need a special limud to teach me that a marriage to a non-Jewish woman is not valid, it doesn't land, if I already know that even a marriage to a slave doesn't land, it, do, it isn't valid? Of course then a marriage to a non-Jewish woman wouldn't, wouldn't work. And he says, The reason this is an idea, again, that, that Reb Chaim develops brilliantly in his major sefer on the Rambam, in Hilchot Isurei Bia, Perik Yud Gimel, Aloche Yud Bet. There's a major Rambam where he goes into this idea of exploring the status of a person after freedom, but before full conversion. So if you think of the spectrum, you've got a non-Jewish person, fine. Now you've got a slave. The slave is sold into a Jewish family. The slave goes to the mikveh, does a conversion, and takes on part of the mitzvot of the Torah at that point. If the owner then releases the slave, gives the slave a get shichrur, a proper release. So now, what is the status of the slave? That's what Chaim looks into in that, in that wonderful piece in Hilchot Bia. What is the slave at that moment? The slave is no longer a slave. And yet the slave is not a non-Jew, because the slave went through a conversion when he became a slave, or she became a slave. And yet he's not a full Jew either, because he's still got to go through another conversion. So what is his status at that point? And one of the things we do see at that point is that Kiddushin Tov Simba, that if it's a slave girl who is released and freed by her master, but she has not yet done her second conversion, if at that time someone were to offer her Kiddushin, the Kiddushin would be valid, the Kiddushin would be fulfilled, even though she hasn't gone through her final conversion yet. And Reb Chaim explains that the reason that Kiddushin doesn't work for a slave is not because they're not fully Jewish. It's not about Jewishness. The reason Kiddushin doesn't work for a non-Jew is about Jewishness, because Kiddushin works between a Jewish man and a Jewish woman. And if the woman is not Jewish, the Kiddushin doesn't work. What about a Jewish man and a slave girl? It also doesn't work, but not because of a deficiency in her Jewishness, because she does have a high degree of Jewishness. The deficiency here is that she's a slave, and this is a different law altogether. 
It's a din musuyam be'eved ze'alfinen mikra'ed dechashiv am hadomeh lechamor. This is learned from the verse of Avraham where he tells the slaves that they are like the donkeys. And just as there can't be a marriage between a human and a donkey, between a human and an animal, so there cannot be an, a marriage between a free Jewish man and a slave girl. That also can't take place. It's not a marriage. It can't take place. And so you can't learn from there to a non-Jewish woman. It's not the same principle. The principles are completely different. The one case we're talking about a law in slavery, that it's because she's a slave you can't marry her, not because she's not Jewish. And in the other case, it's because of a lack of Jewishness. And the two things have little to do with one another. If we look at it further, the, the Netive Yam, which is a sefer written by Rabbi Yisrael Mendel Kaplan, who was a Rosh Hashiva in Philadelphia, a very big Talmud Chochem, and he explains that Kivan What's missing in the case of a slave? They are under the control of another human being. They have assigned their free will to somebody else. The slave doesn't have their own free will. And therefore, and that's like a donkey that is owned by its owner. So we're not comparing the slave to a donkey, chas uh, as, as a human being to an animal. We're comparing him in the sense that he doesn't have the rights of free choice. In that sense, he's governed by forces outside of his own volition, the same way as a donkey is governed. He doesn't have that free choice. He doesn't have that freedom. In that sense, he's an Adam, Domer Lechamor. He's somebody who's compared to a, a donkey rather than a free human being who can make his own choices. And because of that lack of freedom, the idea of Kiddushin doesn't apply. It's because of that lack of freedom that the concept of marriage can't apply because for marriage to apply, it has to be two full human beings. And being human means having Bechira. It means having choice. It means being able to be accountable, to be able able to have the freedom of thought and of intellect. And with that lacking, it's and therefore the Kiddushin is not going to take effect in that particular case. And so that's really what the, the barrier is over, over here with the Amadomer Lechamor. And so yes, uh, these are two cases. If you marry a non-Jewish woman, the marriage is not valid. It's forbidden and it's not valid. You marry a Shifcha, it's forbidden and it's not valid. But the reasons that it's not valid differ, according to Reb Chaim. In the case of the non-Jewish woman, it doesn't work because she's not Jewish. In the case of the Evid, it doesn't work because Kiddushin doesn't apply to somebody who is owned by somebody else, the way a donkey might be owned by somebody else. And in this, we begin to understand the importance of freedom, of free choice, of intellectual freedom. We understand that from a perspective of Kiddushah, a slave is at a higher level than a nochri, than a non-Jewish person who has no mitzvot to keep at all. From a spiritual level, a slave is closer to a Jewish person than the non-Jewish person is. That's very clear. That's from a point of view of Kedushah. But from a human level, who's more human? And this is the Chiddush of the Shir. Who's more human? It's not just about who has more Kedushah. The brachot in the morning go into in order of Kedushah. First, thank God for not making me a non-Jew. Thank God for not making me a slave. Thank God for not making me a woman. You've made me a man. I've got the maximum amount of mitzvot, and I value that, and I appreciate that. That's talking about levels of Kedushah. But there's another way to look at people, and that is levels of humanity. And if we look at it from a perspective of levels of humanity, a non-Jew has a full level of humanity. 
No different from a humanity perspective, no different from a Jew. But a slave doesn't have that same level of humanity because he has given away his right to freedom of choice. And freedom of choice is what differentiates a human from an animal. An animal is governed by his instinct, by its instinct, is not able to make choices. A human being can make choices against their instinct. A, a human being can have an instinctual drive towards something and override their instinct with a values choice. That's what being human means, but the slave can't do that because the slave has to do what the master tells him. And so when we say the bracha in the morning of Shiloh Asani Evid, we need to say it with a lot of meaning and understanding and celebration and joy. What it is not to be an Evid, what it is to have freedom of choice and to have freedom of mind and freedom of intellect. And today we can appreciate it perhaps more than ever because while we're not slaves in the conventional sense of the word, but we know very well we're not free to speak. If you work for an academic organization, you're not free to speak your mind. If you work in a business, you can't speak your mind. You can be cancelled. If you're a, a rabbi in a shul or a teacher in a school, and you can't just treat your mind, it's very rare that one has the freedom with which to do so. In my own personal life, that was the primary reason for which I decided not to earn my living in rabbinics, so that the rabbinics and my source of income would be separate, and that at least in the area of rabbinics and Torah, I would be able to be intellectually free. I would be able to say and think whatever I believed was right according to the Torah, irrespective of, of whether or not it was politically correct or, or popular at the time. This is something that is precious. It's something that not everybody has. And Shiloh Sani Eved, it so, so goes so far that if a woman doesn't have her freedom, Kiddushin doesn't apply to her, because in that sense, she's more like an animal governed by forces over which she has no control. Whereas if when a person is free, a person is truly human, they have full control. And so although in levels of Kedushah, the, le the hierarchy is first Goy, then Eved, then the, the Jewish woman, and then the full Jewish male, in the case of humanity, the Eved is the lowest form of humanity, simply because he has given away his freedom of choice. <laughs>